I don't know if you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up, maybe like an astronaut or a police officer, firefighter, or something like that. We have, you know, these idealistic ideas. Now, some of you, I'm sure, have accomplished that. You, I did not. I did not grow up to be what I thought I was going to be at all. Uh, my life took a completely different trajectory than what I planned for. But for the current generation, or the youngest generation, I guess, Generation Z, that's what the internet says they're called, ages 9 through 24, do you know what their, like, top most desired job is? I'm about to tell you if you don't know. It's kind of rhetorical. It's to be an influencer. Like a social media influencer, YouTube, a vlogger, somebody. Some of you are, like, shaking your head and going, ugh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. It's really funny. kind of communicates what you think about, about that. Uh, it, influencers are a really interesting thing, especially desiring to be that job. And I think, I think it's because people like the idea of being liked. They like the idea of, of making a lot of money, and so that's kind of the assumption, is that if I just video my entire life for the world to see, people will give me money. And uh, it's amazing how, how, that, how, that, how that works out. And um, all kinds of issues, I think, of why, why we could explore why that's a thing. But we won't get into that this morning. It's just a part of the world that we live in. We're, we're influenced by so many things, and we want to be good influencers. The word influencer, though, did not originally mean that. That's kind of a relatively new definition for that word. It actually started off with people observing the sky, the heavens, the universe, and creation. And an influencer or influencers were referring to the stars and the planets. So 14th century, maybe a little bit earlier, that's, that's kind of when that word started being used. It was because people were looking up and they're saying, how do, we, how do we communicate or talk about the fact that it seems like there are these forces at work in our lives that kind of move us through, that cause things to happen, and, and how do we describe that? And so that's originally how the word came about. And then uh, around the 16th century, then it started kind of being used sort of nebulously about people, and then we come to about 2019 where it's added to dictionaries and specifically referring to social media jobs. Um, at some point... Along the way, as human beings, and we talked about this a little bit before, we stopped wondering at the vastness of creation in the universe, and we started, instead of looking upward for what's going on in our lives and the, the forces at work and, and what might explain those things, like, for example, God, and started just kind of looking around at ourselves, or, or maybe just kind of looking down <laughs> at our phones. And, and the way that we're influenced today is a lot different than the way society thought, culture, you know, thought about those things centuries and centuries ago. The popular way of thinking about influencing now is, well, how, how do I leverage people in my life to accomplish my goals? I mean, just very generally. I'm not saying everybody has very negative connotation to that in the way that they think about that, but that's generally speaking how we operate as a culture. That's, why, that's how we think of influence. How can I get other people to help me get what I want to get? I mean, and, and let's just be honest, it's incredibly exhausting. I mean, everywhere you look, somebody's influence, what are they influencing you to? Well, you know when they have like that close-up on that product as they're doing their little social media post, but they're like, oh, in my everyday, I just happen to use this toothpaste five times a day. This is the best toothpaste ever, but I'm just naturally telling you about it. No, they're being paid. Like you're being, you're being marketed to and you're being influenced in that way. You, you know, it's kind of taking uh, integration in everyday life and making it look like it's just, it's just natural and it happens to be there. But that's just not how we generally use influence in our culture. We all have influence, and we're all being influenced, but there is a godly way in which we're called to participate in that. And so we're starting a brand new series called Influencers, and it's all surrounding the life of Peter. 
Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of his uh, most talked about disciples, especially in the Gospels. He wrote a couple letters that's included in the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark is probably based on Peter's sermons. I mean, he's very much involved. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He became one of the apostles who led the church after Jesus resurrected. He was an elder in the church. He preached the first ever gospel message, which thousands of people responded to. Peter made a huge influence on the people around him. But Peter is not the kind of guy that if you were to go to a lineup and look at a group of people, he was not the kind of guy that you would, you would pick out. He was kind of rough around the edges, had a little bit of a temper, um, he, he was a little indecisive at some times about what he really thought and really felt. He denied Jesus famously. We think about Peter in, in those ways. Uh, but Peter, Peter did things like writing books in the New Testament. Like I mentioned, he converted Cornelius, who's the first ever Gentile, uh, which kind of just showed and proved that God sent Jesus for the entire world, not just for his fellow people, the Jews. Peter writes things like, cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. He writes, be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It was Simon Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is the confession that we make before baptism. We did that three different times last Sunday because we had three baptisms, which is amazing. Um, but like I said, you know, Peter, Peter was not the guy that you would pick. He was uneducated, had a temper, and yet because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he became one of the most influential people of all time. Listen, something, something I think, and I've already mentioned this in passing really quickly, but I think it's really important that I point out for all of us, because I don't think all of us believe that we, um, we are as significant as we actually are. Now, let's, let's be honest. Some of us believe that we're more significant than we actually are, and, th- and that's okay. That, that's how we become social media influencers. Um, is that, oh, okay, maybe that was too, too far. That's all right. Um, we, we have one life to live, and, and I just want to let you know just really clearly up front that you are an influencer. You, you exert influence on the lives of people. You are the only you there is. And um, we're going to take a closer look as to whether or not we choose for that to be a positive or negative or intentional type of influence that we live in our lives. All right. So let's look in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And uh, we're going to look at the calling that Peter receives from Jesus to be a fisher of of men. You could call this the Bible version of being an influencer, but please don't call it that. And and we're going to read this text. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, who become disciples as well. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. 
So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You read the story, and, and, and we probably should ask, what was it about Peter that made Jesus believe that he was the man who should receive this special calling for such a task? Because Jesus only asks 12 men to do this, and Peter is one of them. Peter, this fisherman, I mean, he ends up walking away from his nets and following Jesus. And, and that's the reason Jesus calls him. That, that's it. Because Peter was willing to, to leave his life behind, the comfort of his life, and be influenced by the right person. And this is the same type of calling that we are given in our lives. I mean, Jesus doesn't just call Peter to be a fisher of men. He calls all of us because he calls all of us to be disciples, to be a part of the priesthood of all believers. And that's the thing that we're given to utilize our giftedness and talentedness in our life that God gives us with to exert influence on other people. And so the first thing that Peter does just to prepare for this calling, the same thing that we're called to do to be the kind of influencers Jesus enables us to be, is just to be available. And Peter, in this context, had, had just met Jesus, may have heard about him, but he allows Jesus to use his boat. He, he allows Jesus to, to preach from it. He listens to his teaching. He's a, he allows Jesus to take him back out into the water. He was just available. And, and that's the first thing that we are called to do when it comes to how we exert our influence on other people is, is really just to be there. It comes down to a point where our schedules, our busyness is just a poor excuse for whether or not we're available to be a part of other people's lives. When you consider the fact that Jesus' example is that he's going to leave everything behind in heaven to be here for us, I mean, that's, that's pretty significant in how we think about how we're meant to be involved and engaged in other people's lives. Peter was just willing to be available and be in the right place at the right time. And that is so much of what God calls us to do. Sometimes I think we get overwhelmed. Maybe we read through scripture and we think, oh man, here's, here's another list of all the things I need to do to do properly, like to be good, to earn my relationship with God. And uh, so much of it that God calls us to do is just to show up. It's, it's just to be available. Whether that's coming to church or being a part of a small group or being involved in our family's lives or being involved in our friends' lives or being there for our coworkers or paying attention to when somebody says, hey, I need somebody here for me in this place at this time. And we're just willing to, to go and be in that, in that area. So much of what we're called to do and how God wants us to live is just to make ourselves available to God to be used more. Availability is a self-sacrificial act that we are called into. It means delayed gratification. It means sometimes people ask you to do things and you say, well, I already have something planned then, but because this is more important, what you're asking me to participate in, I will come be with you. It means suspending what we want for the benefit of someone else. It's not about keeping track so that you get something back out of someone. You know, this is not, oh, how can I influence them so they can, I can get something back out of, out of me. But it's a free gift of time and access to people in your life. And so margin and flexibility and commitment to participating in the lives of others is a hallmark of Jesus' ministry and of those who follow him and how we influence other people to look up toward God. The second thing that Peter prepared himself to do, or that he just naturally did in answer to God's call in his life, is that he was obedient. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, when you read the text, you don't necessarily hear the voice of the person who's talking, their tone, their facial expression, but I just want to give that to you now. Here's how Peter said that last, net, that last sentence. He said, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. 
All right, it's something you kind of lose in the text, maybe if you if you don't understand. But that's the attitude. I'm, you know, I don't know that 100, percent but that's that would be my attitude. Yeah, Jesus, we just came in from a night of fishing and got skunked. We've washed our nets, we folded them, and put them away. Sure, we want to go back out. We're exhausted. You know, it's not like we're not expert fishermen or anything. Like that's what we do for a living. We kind of know how this works. But sure, we'll go back out and do that. I would speak with as much eye-rolling and sarcasm and condescension. Jesus, why don't you stick to the reading and teaching there, buddy? You know, kind of uh, know your role. Um, especially if you're a man and you've just failed at something. That is the worst time. Like, please don't tell me uh, this is what you should have done. And this is actually if you had, you know, done it this way, that kind of thing. All right. Uh, but Peter obeyed, even though he didn't fully understand. Remember, at this point... You know, he's seeing Jesus, he's like, oh, this is this kind of rabbi teacher guy. He seems pretty popular. You know, he taught some pretty cool, cool stuff, but he hadn't really experienced Jesus um, as the Messiah, the Son of God, the working miracles kind of thing. Um, as Christians, we're called to obey, even when it goes against what we want to do. And, and that's a part of how we show what we're influenced by and how we exert the influence that we're meant to have from God on our lives. If Jesus tells experienced fishermen to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, you know, Peter discovered the fact that you, you better cast away. This is what he calls us to do. Even if we kind of disagree, eh, that doesn't really, that's not conventional wisdom. I don't think I'm going to do that. Peter would have missed out on the best catch he'd ever had in his life. There's, throughout the Gospels, there's this theme that Jesus drives home. He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. I can't tell you how many times I've seen these social media influencers. They explode, they get big, and then they get in huge amounts of trouble because people find out about certain cracks or flaws in their character. And then it becomes this whole thing where the person is completely shattered and broken down as, as a result of that. When we're seeking God's call in our life, we begin by obeying in the little things, and that habit of obedience prepares you for when it really matters. And for the bigger things that God might have planned for you in your life, Pride would have ruined Peter's opportunity to be who Jesus had called him to do. If he was too prideful to just throw his net on the other side of the boat, he wasn't going to be willing to do what needed to be done to share the gospel with other people. And so that's, that's the other thing that Jesus calls us into as, as a godly influencer, is just to be humble. You know, I, following this miraculous catch of fish, uh, Peter doesn't try to impress Jesus and try to appear holier than he was. He, he didn't say, oh, yeah, well, the reason that this worked is because actually sometimes this happens. And, you know, instead, Peter just kind of admits, yeah, I had no clue. I'm, I'm just a sinful, broken man. I don't know anything about anything. And, and, um, and, and Jesus just kind of, uh, he, he just kind of responds to Jesus and says, you know what? You've kind of shown me something significant in my life. Uh, sometimes when we're so focused on ourselves or other people and we're not kind of looking upward to what God is calling us to, we just miss out on those opportunities to be, to be humble, to, to accept these things. When Simon Peter saw what had happened, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It seems kind of like a weird reaction to just catching fish, but it was the significance, the weight of what had happened that was not normal. Peter quickly understood that there's something different about Jesus and that he didn't deserve to be in the presence of God. You know, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need me, for sure. He doesn't need you to be an influencer. Like, that, that's not a thing. Oh, I just need to follow the right influencers in my life, and then everything will be curated properly in all of these different categories. I mean, that's not how it works. He doesn't need us. But he wants to be with us. 
He wants us to want to be with him because of his goodness and his glory and his mercy. And he just wants that to be shared because his love is better than anything else that there can be in life. And he wants us to partner in him with that despite our failures. Despite that sometimes, yeah, we, we think we know what we're doing and we go a whole night without accomplishing anything. And then one second, Jesus accomplishes everything. Following God's call requires us to admit that hey, we're not worthy. There's not something you know, um, so incredible about us that we have to share with the world so they are just wowed about our amazingness. Um, it's that we're meant to point to him and what he's done in our life, how he's influenced us. James 4 verse 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And then the last thing um, that Peter did is that he was just willing. He's, he's willing to follow Jesus. Uh, Peter didn't know where this would lead in his life. He didn't know what this commitment would do. And so often I think, you know, well, I've got to curate this very specific plan and path for my life. And this is how I'm going to influence people because somehow, like, I know enough about everything to be able to get people to do what I think they should do. And I'm going to take them along with me. But Peter says, you know what? There's something bigger and greater at stake at work here, influence in my life that's moving this force that I can't explain. And I'm going to follow, follow that. In Luke chapter 5, the last, last verse, verse 11, so they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. And so it just kinda come, we, we just come to a place where we look at this example of Peter's life, and we have to ask, what does it look like for us to leave things behind in order to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? What is the thing that I'm holding on to that's keeping me from being willing to actually go where Jesus is going, to be where God is calling us to be? What, what would you have to leave behind in order to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Because Peter abandoned his nets and followed him. That, that's not like me taking my fishing pole and saying, ah, I'm going to leave it at home now and I'm going to follow Jesus. This is Peter taking his career and his livelihood and saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that to, I'm not telling anybody to quit their jobs tomorrow. Let me just be really clear about that. But but maybe, maybe you might be in a position where you need to pray about whether or not that's the thing that needs to happen in a couple months. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I don't know what your situation is. I'm just saying those are the things that we need to consider. Those are the things that we need to be willing to do. If we really want to be serious about following Jesus, like what is he actually, what is God actually calling me to do? Where is he calling me to be? Do not quit your job and then blame me. That is not. We can, we can talk about that and pray about that later if you want to. Um, our, the question is, since Jesus calls us to such great influence, are we willing to abandon everything to follow him? No future riches. Jesus is very clear with his followers. He says, no money, no place to sleep, no promise of future rich, riches other than the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're pressing toward. And we want to bring as many people with us as we can. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their, their life for me will save it. And Jesus calls us to be godly influencers by being available, by being obedient, by being humble, and by being willing. And let's just be clear about how we live our lives. Whatever is influencing us will be how we influence others. And as disciples of Jesus, we want that to be Jesus. We, we don't want it to be something else. We don't want it to be someone else. 
But those things will be apparent, will become clear in our lives if that's the case. Are we being influenced by the way and the call of Jesus, or have we put something else in a higher place of importance? And, and, and just the, the, the last thing that I, that I want to say that kind of puts us in a position to be where God wants us to be is just to be looking for those opportunities to be available, to be obedient, to be humble, to be willing. Look for opportunities to use your gifts and talents for him. What, what is the way that you can demonstrate God's love for others in your community, in your circle, in your sphere of influence? I mentioned this before. You are the only you that there is. There is nobody else that can fill the space that God created you to occupy in creation. The way, that, the way that you talk to people in your life is completely different than the way that I could or somebody else could in your life. You know, me coming to your job, for example, and saying, you know what, you're doing amazing. You're doing fantastic. Okay, what does that, you know, be like, what does that mean? <laughs> that means absolutely nothing. No, but somebody who actually knows what you do and actually knows the effort that you put into and saying that to you, maybe supervisor, coworker, boss, or something like that, that would, I mean, I can encourage you and say, hey, keep it up, you're doing great, but somebody else can speak that so much more meaningfully into your life. And there are people in your life that only you can influence the way that God wants you to and the way that he has equipped you to do that. You're the only you that there is. God has given all of his gifts and talents, whether we use them for God's glory or for our own selfish desires, depends on whether or not we answer God's primary calling on our lives, to love others and to serve others. We've been called to love. We've been called to look for opportunities to do that, to exert godly influence on others. What is God calling you to give up? Is it your job? Is it your boyfriend or girlfriend? Is God calling you to give up social media? Football season is about to start. Is God calling you to not watch your favorite team? No, of course not. Is he calling you to... Is he calling you to uh, give up hope that the Dallas Cowboys will ever win another Super Bowl? Is he... Is that the Washington you know, football team will ever have a, a good name? You know, maybe have to give up on that. Maybe God is calling you to give up your pride and have a conversation with a friend that you know desperately needs Jesus in their life. Um, maybe you know somebody who's struggling in their marriage or in their parenting or struggling at work or so, somewhere else in life. or um, just, You just know, you recognize somebody who just needs somebody in their life and that you could be Jesus for that person. You know, our prayer, our, our sacrifice that we're looking for in our life to give of ourselves because Jesus has given of himself. You know, our prayer should be, Lord, use me to be a Christ-like influence in this world. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, um, this whole section starts with, with two words, one day. One day. Jesus was at the lake and he was hanging out and taught people one day. And Peter and James and John and the other disciples, as they came along, their entire lives and the trajectory of their lives were completely changed one day. At some point, um, one day, God just calls us to make a decision. And he presents himself to us. He says, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be in your life. I'm willing to work in your life. I can, I can work miracles. And, and I, can, I, can, I can be with you. I, I can give you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to influence you. You know, this mysterious force that, that moves through our lives, that force can be known, can be talked to. Um, that force is God. And he, he, wants to, he wants to be deeply involved in our life. And for us to understand what it looks like to be a part of 
um, how he is influencing the world. And I wonder if maybe for some of us today, maybe today is that one day for us where it's just time to kind of make a decision. Maybe you feel like um, the Holy Spirit has kind of been impressing upon you that there's something that you need to think of. Maybe there's a moment where you, where you thought, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I need to consider this thing. Maybe there's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Maybe it's just making a decision to following God, at, at period, to saying yes to Jesus at all. Um, and we would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Uh, last week, you know, we had three, three baptisms. A few uh, weeks ago, we had, we had uh, a baptism. Um, that, that is one of those important next step faith moments where we say yes to Jesus. Maybe that's the thing. Uh, maybe you have questions. Maybe you have doubts or concerns. Um, I'd love to talk to you about uh, that. Our staff would love to talk to you about that and pray with you about those things. Um, right now, like we do every week at Velocity, and we celebrate communion together, and we do that every week because every time as part of our worship, uh, we want to make sure that we are um, centered on the thing that should be the highest form of influence on our life. And that's the fact that God loved the world so much, and he wants us to be with him so much that he sent Jesus to die, uh, to raise again, to be a living sacrifice so that we could be redeemed back to him. And so we take communion together, a little bit of bread, a little bit of juice that represents Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. We've got a couple different tables around the room, and uh, we're going to share in that time together. I'm going to pray for us, and then we can uh, partake. God, thank you for uh, these moments of being reminded of what it looks like to um, focus our lives, to be influenced, to maybe just stop and think, oh, there, there are influential things that impact how I think, how I live, how I operate, and I need to be intentional about making sure that that's you, primarily. That you're the one who I, I see those things through. God, help us to do that. Help us to um, acknowledge the, uh, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and how we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.